We turn in the scriptures to Psalm 29. We'll read the whole psalm together, and the entire psalm will likewise be the text that we consider this evening. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calf, and discovereth the forests. And in his temple doth every one speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Beloved in the Lord, several of the Psalms in the Psalter were written as the psalmist reflected upon the wonders of creation. Because as our Belgic Confession so beautifully puts it, the works of God's hands, creation is as a most elegant book open before our eyes and every creature, a character, a word in that book, all pointing to the maker, God. You think of Psalm 8, where David says, When I consider the heavens, the moon, and the stars, which thou hast set in place, what is man that thou art mindful of him? For Psalm 19, where David reflects upon the glory of the sun as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Or Psalm 148, which we sang at the beginning of our worship service, where the psalmist thinks upon upon all the different parts of creation and summons all of creation to join him in praising God. Psalm 29 is another such psalm. Psalm 29 has been called a psalm of thunder or a psalm of storms. Because it seems that that was the occasion for David's writing of this psalm by the inspiration of the Spirit. David witnessed a mighty thunderstorm blow in from the sea and move through the land of Israel, and he was struck with awe at the power of this storm. But David's mind, as all of our minds should, rises from the power that he sees in the natural world to the one who created these things and the one whose hand controls and governs these things, God, who is the Lord of the storm. The God of all glory, 
who thunders. Psalm 29 then is a hymn of praise. It's a hymn of praise occasioned by the psalmist witnessing the power and glory of God revealed in the work of his hands. You see that in the basic form of the psalm. There's really three parts to Psalm 29. There's verses 1 and 2, which is a call to praise. And then there's the body of the psalm, verses 3 through 9, which is a poetic description of the thunderstorm that David witnessed connected to the God of all glory. And then the psalm ends with verses 10 and 11. Praise, glory to God, as well as the comfort and the confidence that the psalmist feels because he knows that the God of all glory who thunders is the God of his salvation. Really, the central idea, the central theme of Psalm 29 is found in the sevenfold repetition in the body of the psalm. In verses 3 through 9, you'll find the phrase, the voice of the Lord or the voice of Jehovah, repeated seven times in rapid succession. This is a psalm about the voice of God whose voice is powerful, whose voice is heard in creation, whose voice is heard in the storm, whose voice is mighty to bring his people strength and peace. God of glory thunders. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. So we take that phrase in verse 3 and we make it our theme tonight. The God of glory thunders. And in his thundering we hear his voice. We'll notice in the first place that God's voice is a voice of power. Secondly, that it is a voice of peace to his people. And then finally, that in hearing his voice, we are called to lift our voices and praise him. Psalm 29 vividly describes the path of a powerful thunderstorm rolling inland from the sea. That's really what verses 3 and 9 are describing in poetic beauty. David is inspired by this storm that he witnesses. He sees the power of God manifest and so he describes it here. And really in verses 3 through 9, we follow the path of the storm from its birthplace on the Mediterranean Sea as it goes inland and passes through Palestine until it spends itself in the southeastern wilderness. Verses 3 and 4, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. What those verses bring to mind is the distant rumbling of thunder. Looking out upon the Mediterranean Sea to the west, or to connect it to our experience, looking out to Lake Michigan and watching a storm roll in. The dark clouds gathering. The storm marshalling its strength over the sea. The winds begin to pick up and we hear the rumble of thunder. And David says, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. And then in verses 5 and 6, he goes on to describe the pathway of that storm as it makes landfall. 
The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The storm makes landfall in the mountainous country of Lebanon, which was situated just to Israel's north. The powerful winds begin to blow through the famed cedar forests of Lebanon. And as the winds blow stronger and stronger, the branches bend, the trunks begin to break, and even the sturdy trees are laid low by the might of this storm. The rumbling thunder turns into loud thunder claps, making the mountains themselves skip. And the idea is that so strong is, those, is that thunder in its booming that it seems even the unmovable mountains shake before the thunder. So powerful is the voice of the Lord. Then in verses 7 and 9, the storm moves further inland. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. There you have a poetic description of lightning. As the storm moves further inland, comes closer to perhaps where the psalmist was, maybe in Jerusalem, lightning begins flashing. The branching flames in the sky. Lightning. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The wilderness of Kadesh was a a desert place to the south and to the east of Israel. So the storm passes through the country and goes into the wilderness and it stirs up the wilderness into a sandstorm until its strength is spent. And so great is this storm that it inspires fear in all who witness it. All of creation trembles. Verse 9, the voice of the Lord maketh the kind... The hinds to calf. A hind is a deer. And the idea here is so terrible is this storm. So frightening is it that the deer bring forth their calves. Bring forth their young prematurely out of fright. The thunder and the lightning discovers the forest. It lays the forest bare. What a storm. What power that shakes the whole creation. And fills even the animals with terror. And man too who flees indoors and flees to his den. And often trembles before the booming thunder. But now, as David describes this mighty thunderstorm rolling through the land. He describes it as a word. It's a word. In the thunder. In the storm, a powerful voice is heard. In the thunder, God, or rather David, hears the very voice of God himself. The powerful storm is the voice of God. In the thunder, God is speaking. The God of glory thunders, the text says. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord in the thunder, in the wind, in the storm is full of majesty. And that's stressed in the psalm and that the subject of all of the actions in verses 3-9 through is that repeated phrase, the voice of the Lord. 
It's the voice of the Lord that is upon the waters. It is the voice of the Lord that breaks the cedars. The voice of the Lord that makes the mountains shake. The voice of the Lord that strips the trees of their leaves and exposes the floor of the forest as it lays the mighty cedars low. The voice of God. And indeed, that repetition seven times of the phrase, the voice of God, is one of the most beautiful parts of the psalm. You notice that in verses 3 through 9, how quickly that phrase is repeated. And the psalmist there is imitating the sound of a thunderstorm. Each occurrence of that phrase, the voice of the Lord, is like a crack or a peal of thunder. And the Hebrew word even sounds a bit like that. The Hebrew word for voice is kol. So you read the text that way, repeating that word kol, kol, over and over again, like thunderclaps. The very text speaks the language of thunder impressing upon us the power of this storm that the psalmist witnessed, which is the very voice of God. And so the truth that this psalm sets before us is the fact that God reveals himself in his creation. And this storm, the thunder, is revelatory. God speaks in it. Thunder is the powerful voice of God. And it is a powerful voice of God that reveals who he is. It reveals in the first place that he is almighty. The voice of the Lord is powerful, the text says. Full of majesty. He is the almighty creator. That's how Christians think of the storm. Every thunderclap is a word from the mouth of the living God. Showing forth his majesty. And the more we see how wonderful God's works are. The more we should be moved to praise him as God speaks to us in the language of thunder. Showing us his power. He is a God who speaks. And that's another important truth that comes out here in the repetition of the phrase, the voice of God. God is a God who speaks. He is the speaking God. He speaks through the works of His hands. He speaks by His Word. And whenever He speaks, His voice is powerful and full of majesty. In the opening verses of the Bible, God speaks And you see his voice is powerful and full of majesty as his voice, as his spoken word, calls the creation into being. His voice frames existence. His voice gives being. His voice calls the things that were not and makes them to be. Psalm 33 verse 6 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. What a powerful voice. And that's shown to us in creation. And the power that we see displayed in the God who thunders marvelously, that's the power that's also in his spoken word and his written word. As Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, so shall, my, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. That's the power of God's voice. No other gods 
have a voice. No other words do what God's word does. Psalm 115, the first thing that the psalmist says about idol gods is this in verse 5. They have mouths, but speak not. They have no power. They are dumb. They are mute. They do not speak. But look at the one true and living God who speaks, who thunders marvelously, whose voice is heard in the storm. What power, what majesty is His and His alone. And even those creatures that God has created to whom He has given mouths and to whom He has given the power of speech, human beings such as we are, none of us have a voice that is mighty like God's. None of us can say, the word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall accomplish the thing that I send it to accomplish. Our words are so often empty and devoid of power, but the word of God is never void. When God speaks, He thunders with might. You can say that the thunder and the thunderstorm is general revelation with an exclamation point behind it. In the storm, we see the power of God's voice. And so an application here. The thunder in which God speaks reveals Him as the Almighty Creator. And that is to be the Christian's viewpoint on the world around us, upon creation itself. The biblical view of the natural world. In the powers of nature We see the power of God. In the forces of nature, we hear the powerful voice of God. Give Him the glory. Not the creature. Psalm 29 was likely an Old Testament polemic against Baal worship. Remember the idol god Baal that the people of Israel were tempted time and time again to serve and often did serve. And Baal claimed to be, or was claimed to be, The God of thunder, the God who sent rain, the God who sent storms. And so this psalm addressed that temptation that the Old Testament church faced. Baal is not God. Baal does not thunder. Baal is mute. Baal does anything. Think of Baal on Mount Carmel and his prophets dancing about him, screaming, cutting themselves with knives. And though Baal had a mouth, he did not speak. The one true God at Elijah's prayer thundered marvelously from heaven and sent rain. Modern man has his own Baal. For modern man, Baal is nature itself. For modern man, Baal is man's science. Man studies the creation and he finds out some things about the creation and then he becomes puffed up in the little knowledge that he has and he thinks his mind doesn't need to rise any higher. Man has figured out what thunder is. Man has figured out the patterns of the weather and so nature works by itself. Give the glory to nature. No. Behind the powers of the natural world is the power of God. In the thunder, the God of glory speaks. Man professes himself wise, but he is a fool. Just because man can discover a little bit about how the creature works, doesn't mean he locks God out of his own creation. 
The only reason we can know anything about the creation is because God has created an orderly creation that our human minds can understand. Atheistic science is as much folly as Baal worship is folly. The Christian says, the God of glory thunders. And the more I learn about creation, the more that man's science uncovers about creation. It doesn't take away the mystery, but it deepens the mystery. The more we understand of God's world, the more we see that we don't understand. And so we confess with Job in Job 37 verse 5. God thundereth marvelously with his voice. Great things doeth he which we cannot comprehend. God's voice sounds in the thunder, and it reveals him as the almighty creator. But now, in addition to that, God's thundering reveals him as the sovereign king. God is king. We see this in verse 10. The Lord sitteth upon the flood, yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. Verse 10 comes right after the description of the thunderstorm. It is almost as if, The storm has taken its course, the thunder recedes, the clouds part, and we look up and we catch a glimpse of the one who sat enthroned upon the storm, the one who is king forever, the Lord God. And we see that every clap of thunder was a blast of his trumpets, proclaiming his royal dignity and his power as king over all. He is sovereign, he reigns, and he rules forever. If he rules the storm, if his voice sounds in the thunder, if he is the one who divides the branching lightning and sends each bolt on its course, what does he not rule? Nothing. Every storm, every thunderclap, every power in creation testifies that God is king forever. And as our versification of Psalm 93 says, let the earth tremble, let the nations tremble. God is king. He rules over all. Verse 10 says, The Lord sitteth upon the flood. He sits. He has authority. He is enthroned above the flood. And that's a significant word there. The flood. Dark, deep waters. In the mind of an Old Testament Hebrew, the sea, the flood, was the most dangerous, chaotic part of creation. The sea never rests. The sea is stormy. The sea is dark. The sea is dangerous. It is unruly. The most restless and unruly part of creation. But God sits enthroned above even that. He sits upon the floods. He rules even over the most unruly of things. He controls what to man seems like chaos. He governs the uncontrollable. He commands the uncommandable. And it obeys. And so when we hear the thunder, when we witness a storm, when we see the powers in the creation, let it bring to mind that we hear the voice of the creator who is king, who sits over all. And even when perhaps we tremble, let us have that assurance, God is king over all. And the storm winds that blow do his his bidding. The hurricane that crashed upon the shores of our land only a few days ago 
that hurricane did God's bidding. God sat enthroned upon the storm surge. And everything that we would call chaos, out of control, nations, war, the political direction of our country, disease, economy, inflation. God sits as king, enthroned above it. He rules. Now lastly, thunder as the voice of God also reveals him as the just judge. God speaks in thunder and God speaks in the storm and he reveals himself as the righteous, just judge. Storms and thunder in the Bible are often signs of God's holy wrath and judgment. Every thunder rumble is a word and every thunder rumble has a note of judgment to it. A messenger of God to wicked man. Indeed, all of the groanings of this present creation testify of its maker's judgment coming upon wicked man who subjected the creation to bondage and corruption. If you go back to verse 10, we find that idea of judgment in verse 10. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Now we focus on that word flood again because it's a unique word. That word flood here is one of a couple Hebrew words. And this one, this word, only occurs in Genesis 6 through 10, describing the great flood of Noah's day. That great manifestation of God's judgment. And so the idea is the Lord sitteth enthroned upon the great flood. He sent that flood, it was his judgment upon the wickedness of man. And whenever man hears the thunder rumble or sees the storm, it is a reminder that God is king and God is judge. Let not the wicked say in their hearts, there is no God. Let not the wicked say, God does not see, God does not regard, God shall not call me to account. No, God sits enthroned upon the flood. Just as the voice of God broke the fountains of the deep, And caused the water to spurt from the ground. And as God brought the torrential rain upon the earth. And sent his lightnings upon the earth. So too God will do in the judgment of wicked man. God is judge. The storm testifies of this. The storm blows through the forest. And it lays low the proud cedars of Lebanon. Isaiah 2 verses 12 through 17 uses the cedars of Lebanon as a picture of man's pride. The voice of the Lord lays low the cedars of Lebanon. The voice of the Lord lays low the pride of man. When the voice of the Lord brings a storm that crashes upon the shore and ravages civilization and sends men fleeing from their dwellings, God is speaking. And it is a precursor of the day of judgment that is to come. God is declaring in the thunder and in the storm, I am judge. And I maintain justice. The day is coming when all men will stand before my throne. And on that final judgment day, the storm of God's wrath will break forth upon the wicked like it did in Noah's day. Not with water, but with fire. Revelation verse 10, Revelation 10 verse 3 depicts the coming day of final judgment 
as seven thunders. The destruction left in the storm path of this storm in Psalm 29 is but a faint picture of the desolation of the wicked in the day of Christ. So when the thunder rumbles, let all men ponder and think well. The Lord is judge. But for the believer, as the believer listens to the thunder rumble, and listens with the ears of faith, though the believer may tremble, and rightly so, before the power and the majesty of God's voice, you do not tremble with terror or in dread, because the God who thunders is, as verse 11 says, the God who blesses his people. Blessing, that's a word of God too. To bless is to speak a word of favor, a word of love, a word that makes blessed. And God's blessing is just as powerful as his word of judgment. The power that we see in the storm, the power of thunder, the power of lightning. The same power in God's word of blessing. And thus the psalm in verse 11 ends so beautifully after it has described God's voice, a powerful voice, a voice full of majesty Describes that same voice now as a voice of peace to his people. Verse 11 comes like the calm after the storm. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. That might seem like a contradiction. How can this psalm end this way? A psalm that has depicted God thundering mightily, that has shown us His powerful voice in the raging storm and in the uncontrollable tempest. Storm and blessing? Thunder and peace? Yes. The God of all glory who thunders is the God who speaks peace to His people and brings that peace with power like the power of thunder. Behind God's every word to his people is his love and his favor. Powerful, never void. You feel that in the psalm. You feel that in Psalm 29. As David describes this storm, which is such a terrifying reality to all of creation, to mankind, to see such raw might that no creature can withstand, The emotion in Psalm 29 is not the emotion of terror, but of awe and exhilaration. This God who thunders is my God. The beasts are affrighted. The forests are laid bare. But the psalmist hears something else in this voice of thunder. He hears the voice of Jehovah. And that's where another poetic repetition in this psalm becomes so very important. You have the name Jehovah repeated 18 times in this psalm. The God who thunders is Jehovah. And that name Jehovah speaks of God's covenant love, His mercy for His people. Verse 11 speaks 
Not of a people, but His people. The people He has chosen. The people He has set His love upon. The people that He redeems in the blood of His Son. And thus the God of glory who thunders when He speaks to His people. He speaks peace. He speaks peace. As Jehovah, the faithful. The faithful one. The voice of Jehovah. That phrase occurs seven times. The voice of Jehovah. Seven, the number of the covenant. To the Israelite ear, that would be significant. As they hear the peals of thunder, they hear repeated, Jehovah, your faithful God, the I am that I am, who has established his covenant with you, who will never leave you nor forsake you, who has taken you for his own And now in the body of the psalm, in verses 3 through 9, which is the section where we have the seven occurrences of the the phrase, the voice of Jehovah, you have the name Jehovah occur ten times. Ten, the number of fullness. The fullness of God's power, the fullness of His might is employed in His covenant faithfulness to His people. We need not stand in terror and dread When we see the manifestations of God's power. Yes in reverence. Yes in godly fear. But we also take heart. Because the voice of Jehovah. Is a voice of blessing. The voice we hear in the thunder. Is a voice that brings. Peace. To his people. You can see that pictured throughout the Old Testament. How in the Old Testament God would speak in the storm. And how his word in the storm was both a word of judgment and a word of salvation and peace to his people. Noah's day is a chief example. The storm, the flood was the judgment of God wiping out the wickedness of man. But on those same flood waters in the ark. God saved His people and spoke peace. God thundered in judgment at the Red Sea when He drowned Pharaoh and his host under the mighty waters. And He saved Israel like a shepherd bringing them over the sea, through the sea, on dry ground. A particularly interesting example can be found in 1 Samuel 7. In 1 Samuel 7, we have an account of how the Philistines hear that Israel has gathered together at a place called Mizpah, and the Philistines decide to attack, and so they marshal their army, which is way stronger than Israel's army, and they come hoping to massacre the Israelites. And when Israel hears about this, they are terrified. Samuel the prophet takes a lamb and he offers it to the Lord and he cries out to the Lord for deliverance. And this is what we read in 1 Samuel 7 verse 10. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them. Meaning, he routed them, he scattered them, he put them to flight. And they were smitten before Israel. The God of glory thundered in judgment 
for the salvation of his people. As Samuel was offering the lamb. And there's the gospel key. The lamb turned the thunder of the holy king, the just judge, away from Israel who deserved just as much to be thundered against and turned the thunder upon the Philistines. The reason the voice of God in the thunder is a voice of peace is Jesus. Jesus, who is God's voice of peace. Jesus, who is the voice of the God of all glory. Powerful and full of majesty, accomplishing salvation, blessing His people with strength and with peace. God speaks. God has a voice. And ultimately, God's voice is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word by whom all things were made. The Word in whom all things consist. And in these last days, God has spoken unto us by this Word, as Hebrews 1 verse 1 says. And this Word is His Son. The Word, the voice of God, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory full of grace and truth. The Word made flesh is the voice of Jehovah incarnate, the voice of Jehovah's salvation. Mighty and majestic as thunder, meek and mild as a lamb. Jesus, the voice of God. Who turns the thunder away from us. You see that in Jesus' ministry. He came the word made flesh. To save us from the thunder of judgment. From the storm of wrath. And ultimately from every storm. Throughout his whole ministry. He was the voice of God. What a preacher. There was none like him who taught with authority, who taught with power, whose word never returned to him void. Whether that word was reaching into a heart and saving one of his people, or whether that word as a sword, a double-edged sword, was to harden his opponents, his enemies. Powerful. Voice of God, full of majesty. How powerful was his voice whenever... He uttered his word. He healed the centurion's servant with a word from far away. The voice of the Lord was heard upon the waters. When the word made flesh rebuked the wind and the waves and said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. The voice of Jehovah's salvation said, Come out. And expelled the legion of demons. At the door of the grave, the voice of the Lord said, Lazarus, come forth. And at the voice of Jesus, the chains of death broke. And the dead heard the voice of the Son of God and came forth. And so it will be at the last day when Jesus' voice will thunder and every grave will open. 
The dead shall rise and stand before him in judgment and the sentences will be uttered and judgment will thunder against the wicked. What a voice of peace to his people. Above all, Jesus blesses his people with peace by taking the storm upon himself. By himself bearing our sins and enduring the storm of the cross. The darkest storm clouds there ever were gathered around Calvary. The storm of God's holy wrath broke upon Christ in all its fury. The floods of judgment were unleashed upon him. The fountains of hell's depth were broken up and burst forth on him. And the God of glory justly thundered against our Savior who died for our sins. The Lamb who was slain to turn the thunder away from us. And at his dying, the earth quaked, the rocks were rent, and his voice rose above the storm. It is finished. And that voice of peace rises above every other storm. It is finished. And then Resurrection Sunday, the rainbow after the storm of Good Friday. Christ arose, speaking peace to his people. And his resurrection was that rainbow confirming that the dark storm clouds of judgment were spent. Just as in Noah's day after the flood, God put the rainbow in the sky to assure his people that he would never destroy the world with a flood like that again. So too, the resurrection of Christ is the rainbow after Good Friday in which God declares to us, your sins are gone. The floods of hell will not overwhelm you. They will not come upon you. For Christ has taken them and there is no more wrath. The God of all glory speaks peace. Peace in Christ. No wonder the angels sang at Jesus' birth, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men of goodwill. Now the victorious Christ sitteth upon the flood, yea, the Lord Jesus sitteth king forever. Jesus is king over all. He is both mighty God and prince of peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Jesus now thunders marvelously for judgment and salvation. He has sent forth his spirit to storm the kingdom of darkness and to establish his kingdom. The spirit came as the sound of a mighty rushing storm wind. And the voice of the Lord divided the flames of fire upon his disciples. Spirit, who brings that word and makes it powerful in the hearts of God's people. Christ, Son of God, thunders gloriously in that gospel. Sounding even to the remote wildernesses of this world. Calling his people to him. The God of glory thunders. His voice is powerful. Full of majesty. Speaking peace to his people. A couple of applications then 
flowing out of verse 11. The Lord will give strength unto his people. This psalm assures us of that. Look at God's strength. He is your God. He is Jehovah, the God who thunders. And he will give you strength like the strength you see in this psalm. When you see the power of God in the storm, it's a glimpse of the kind of spiritual power He works in you by the Spirit and supplies you by His Spirit. When you hear His powerful voice in the thunder, you see what kind of power is at work for your salvation to bless you and to keep you. When you see how mighty God's voice is in creation, you see how mighty it is also in His grace. And so the thunder and the storm, terrifying as it can be, becomes an encouragement for us. It shows us God, the God of might and strength, gives strength to his people. Look to him. As Isaiah 26 verse 4 says, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. In him, you will have the strength to endure storms, to fortify you against all evil, to overcome temptation, to serve God, strength For every good work, strength for a life of faith and godliness. Strength to move that mountain of sin in your life. Not your strength. The strength of the God of all glory. Before whom nothing can stand. Before whom the mountains shake and the proud cedars Bow low. In the second half of verse 11, going back to peace, let that be the voice that you hear in this psalm tonight, beloved, and let it be pressed upon your heart. That last word, peace, is the effect of God's voice for you. Peace. God's gospel speaks peace into your soul, believe it. It calms the storm of the accusing conscience. Consider Christ on the cross enduring the greatest storm and calming that storm of God's wrath. And now because of Christ, God's voice says to you, peace. Your sins are pardoned. Rest in that pardon. God's voice speaks peace in the midst of storms of affliction and painful adversity. When the storms roll into your life, Jesus is with you in the storm. Never forget, He already calmed the most terrible storm you otherwise would have perished in. He turned the thunder and the billows away. Will He now let you perish in a lesser storm? No, He will not. He is the Lord of the storm, and His voice brings peace. Peace be still. And He is the one who sits enthroned upon the flood. Sometimes He's pleased to command the storm in your life, and He causes that storm to persist for a while because that storm does His bidding. 
He's with you in the storm. And the storm does His bidding, not Satan's bidding. And that storm will never destroy you. And He speaks peace to you. He speaks peace into your heart to calm the storm within. He gives strength to enable you to bear it. Until He's done His work with that storm and He calms it and sends it away. Comfort of the text is that the Lord reigns over the storm. And every single one of the storms in your life must end the way the psalm ends. Last word. Peace. They're subservient to your salvation. Christ reigns. Peace. And so, we go to where the psalm begins. Call to praise. When you behold the God of all glory, when you see His power displayed in the creation, when you hear His voice in the thunder and in the storm, when you hear His voice of peace in the Lord Jesus Christ, worship is what must follow. Worship is what must burst forth from our hearts. And that's why the psalm begins there. It begins with a call to praise. And the rest of the psalm furnishes us with our reasons to praise God. Verses 1 and 2 are a threefold call to praise. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. The mighty are called to praise the Lord. And that word mighty could be more literally translated sons of God or sons of the mighty one. It could refer to the angels. Job 1 verse 6. The angels are referred to the sons or referred to as the sons of God. It may refer to earthly princes and judges. Psalm 82 verse 1 describes them that way. But it also is a term that refers to all of God's people. Psalm 96 verse 7. You find verses very similar to the opening verses of Psalm 29. And there's a call to worship to all of God's people. And so that's really the the fullest way to interpret verse 1 here. It's a call to all of God's people and indeed all of creation to give unto the Lord the glory and the strength that is due unto His name. Give God the glory. To give God something doesn't mean we add anything to Him. It doesn't mean we fill some lack or need that He has. His glory is perfect. He is all-sufficient in Himself. But to give God glory means that we acknowledge Him for who He is. The God of all glory who thunders, whose voice is powerful and full of majesty. It's acknowledging Him as the one who is altogether worthy Of all our praise. Our almighty creator. Our sovereign king. Our just judge. Our gracious savior. Worship. Give him the glory. Worship him in the beauty of holiness. How will we answer that call? What effect will this word have on us? Let us join the psalmist from the heart. Praise our God every day. Verse 9. In his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. There the psalm points out the effect of the hearing of God's voice. Everyone in his temple speaks of his glory. And really the Hebrew is more vivid. 
Glory is the word they say. This is the response of the people to beholding the majesty of God. Glory. What a God. What a glorious God we have. Give unto Him the glory due unto His name. Every time the storm rolls in from the lake, we hear a clap of thunder. See the wind blow. It's a call to worship. Call to worship. Every rumble of thunder is the tolling of nature's church bell summoning us to praise. Praise the God of all glory. So when we hear a storm, when we see a storm, when the thunder rumbles, let us listen. Let us consider the God of all glory thunders. He blesses his people with peace. Give unto him the glory due to his name alone. Amen. Faithful God, Heavenly Father, we stand in awe before thy power, thy majesty, thy greatness. As thou dost display it in the work of thy hands. And we adore thee for the word of peace that we hear. For though thou art the God who thunders in power and majesty. Thou art the God who also speaks to thy people in the still small voice. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Mighty as thunder. Yet bringing peace to our souls. May that be the effect of thy word tonight, that each of us here gathered go home with peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.